The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Well, it's great to be with you at the start of another week. Another week where we here on the Bruce Hooley Show will be following all the news events locally, nationally, trying to make sense of them through the prism of truth. And my prism of truth is the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. And so that is how I look at everything. I try not to overwhelm you with that because I'm respectful of the fact that many of you in the 98.9 The Answer audience in Central Ohio and the 94.5 audience in Dayton and Western Ohio uh, do not have that as your prism. But truth matters where it comes from, kind of irrelevant. Uh, the fact that it matters is, in my view, irrefutable. At least it will be that position uh, always, always taken here on this show. So the founding of America was, to me, divinely inspired. Uh, we were founded by men who were amazingly insightful, smart, and crafted documents that still, I hope, always have precedence in how we comport ourselves in this country, how we govern, uh, how we limit government, and how power is subject to a system of checks and balances. We hear a lot about the Constitution of the United States. We should. It's of unimpeachable importance. To an orderly society. It has served us well through nearly 250 years of our existence. And if we are to continue to exist, it will have to be our guiding document. We have a Supreme Court to interpret the Constitution and apply laws fairly, no matter which direction or how intensely political passions burn. So we saw over the weekend a threat to our Constitution, a threat to uh, freedom of religion, a threat from mob rule. One of the things that deepens your appreciation for America is becoming familiar with the Federalist Papers. Now you might have heard of the Federalist Papers, but the chances are you don't know as much about the Federalist Papers as you know about the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Gettysburg Address, the Martin Luther King I Have a Dream speech, there are uh, numerous instances of um, speeches and documents that the American people are more familiar with than they are with the Federalist Papers. But the Federalist Papers were authored by James Madison, by John Jay and by Alexander Hamilton as a collection of think pieces to sway, convince, uh, uphold the wisdom contained in the U.S. Constitution as a way of getting the U.S. Constitution ratified by the states. So there is great wisdom in the Federalist Papers. And one of the things that James Madison wrote 
in the Federalist Papers was this about mob rule and the danger of mob rule. And he was looking at um, Paris and uprisings in France and how he did not want the system of government in the United States to become that where a majority always ruled. He said, in all very numerous assemblies of whatever characters composed, passion never fails to wrest the scepter from reason. So to translate from late 1700s parlance to today's, he's saying that no matter what group you're talking about, no matter who is a part of that group, their passion will often overwhelm and rest. Reason will be overwhelmed by passion. Reason will be overwhelmed by passion. And that is so applicable to the vitriolic outrage from the left in the wake of the leaked Supreme Court opinion about the possible overturn of Roe versus Wade. I certainly hope Roe versus Wade is overturned. I would be four square behind the outlawing of abortion in our country in almost every case. I have to say almost every case, not because I have exceptions that I would offer but because there are almost always exceptions. And this is a portion of this argument that the left uses to dismiss all logic and reason. They always come up with the exception as the rule. Always, it's incest. Always, it's rape. Always, it's the death of the mother. Which, in the vast, vast, vast majority of abortions, are A, elective, so not necessary for any reason, other than the convenience of the person who has taken the one step that even in this age of birthing persons, and chest feeding, and pregnant men emojis, the one irrefutable decision that everybody knows, whether they'll admit it or not, is that if you engage in sexual intercourse with a member of the opposite sex, you risk, sometimes less than others, if you use birth control or whatever, but you risk getting pregnant. It's not a mystery how women, and only women, only biological women at birth get pregnant. It is not a mystery. Hard though the left would try to convince you that it is a mystery. So, if you've made that choice, and you've become pregnant, and it's a matter of convenience for you, because it puts your life on hold, or you can't afford it, or the child is not viable, or whatever other excuse you offer. I would personally prefer there not be an option to abort a child. But as this 
matter concerns the law, the Supreme Court is apparently about to undo a dreadful mistake made 50 years ago, which I will give the founders, uh, the uh, the uh, Supreme Court of 1973, not the founders, I will give the Supreme Court of 1973 the benefit of the doubt that perhaps they thought if they just made abortion available everywhere, it would dismiss the issue forever. I'm saying I will give them the benefit of the doubt on that. What is not in doubt is the fact that it has unquestionably not ended the argument and Science didn't cease in 1973. We became much more aware through ultrasounds, 3D ultrasounds, medical advancements, surgical advancements, of ways to see what's going on in the womb, understand what's going on in the womb, fix issues going on in the womb. We became much more adept at sustaining life premature life, debilitating health issues at birth, we become much more adept at those things. And so every advancement of science since 1973 has leaned toward the side of the pro-life movement, not the pro-death movement. And yet in the face of that, our selfishness, our self-absorption, our distancing from God and devotion to God has gone in the other direction. We have become more selfish. We have become more desirous of having other people cover our mistakes and remove our consequences from us. We have become more disdainful of God. And we have become much more disrespectful toward order that must prevail in a serious society. And so over the weekend, you saw the uh, tantrums of the demonic left result in protests at Supreme Court justices' homes, which is against the law. We saw pro-life agencies threatened if not vandalized by people on the left. And we saw church services disrupted and threats of violence escalate. And so James Madison is correct. In all very numerous assemblies of whatever characters composed, passion never fails to wrest the scepter from reason. Bruce Hooley Show on The Answer, 94.5 in Dayton, 98.9 in Columbus. Glad to have our listeners week two from Western Ohio. Say hi to all my friends in PressProsMagazine.com country up there in Maria Stein, in Minster, in Coldwater, in Troy, Sydney, Piqua. Oh, PressProsMagazine.com country here in Columbus as well, covering the OCC. But uh, like interacting with all you guys in the sports realm, love interacting with all you guys in the news talk realm, and you can do so via my email, bruce at salemmedia.com, bruce at salemmedia.com. Our phone number is 844-TALK-989, 844-TALK-989. 
We'll have a financial discussion with our friend Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management at 1230 today. Jobs report, was it really good? Or are we really down in jobs from pre-pandemic levels? And the number that you hear, 1.2 million, is that a real number? Or is that a number that understates the issue? See, help wanted signs everywhere. After all, we always have new people coming into the job market, high school graduates, college graduates, and we have some dying off as well, retiring. So we'll talk with Josh Pick about that today at 1230. Uh, The weather over the weekend prior to Mother's Day was not great. It is supposed to be a fantastic weather week this week. And uh, typically, we rejoice when we get a great weather week. But uh, one thing that has been true for a while is that great weather, sunny weather, warm weather, even hot weather, um, ratchets up crime in our most uh, crime-prone areas. So Columbus had a relatively peaceful weekend. Crime-wise, last weekend was dreadful, and uh, we had um, some issues in Dayton over the weekend. A woman shot dead on uh, U.S. Route 35 in Riverside. It would be my fear that the crime rate will escalate as the weather gets warmer. And you know my feelings on this. My feelings on this are were bolstered over the weekend when I had the chance to chat with a detective from a suburban police agency. No, I'm not going to tell you which suburban police agency. Um, I will tell you that it is a suburban police agency in a presumptive affluent area, desirable area. Let's narrow it down for you a little bit. Upper Arlington, Hilliard, Dublin, Worthington. One of those four, okay? And he told me the story of his suburban area having to deal with teenagers who were stealing cars who had been charged with a shooting in Columbus, but they were not old enough to keep in custody. So, This is why crime is a story for all listeners, rural, suburban, inner city, because crime migrates to where potential victims are. These kids were looking for a car to steal. What better place to go find a luxury car than in a perceived affluent suburb? Now, uh, ABC6 in Columbus, late last week, after what was a very violent weekend in Columbus, where we had three dead and four shootings, including somebody at a park, uh, spent some time with Columbus number two cop, LaShawna Potts. Uh, Rodney Dunnigan did a great job of interviewing Assistant Chief Potts. And she sounds a whole lot different than Mayor Andrew Ginther. And I'm actually surprised that ABC6 or any media actually put this out for people to digest because what she says sounds an awful lot like what I've been saying. Police can't be everywhere, right? We can't police you in your home. Um, We can't police your children. 
a, a lot of these uh, uh, homicides and even just the violence that's permeated through Columbus right now, these are not random victims. These are people who people know have issues with each other and they're not finding a positive way to settle those disputes. And so we pull out guns instead of our fists as when we grew up. That's how we settle disputes. Um, now guns are just the way that people settle arguments. It's a way that they feel that they can get respect in the community. And we have to have a holistic approach. The police cannot be the end all to any gun violence. You have to have the community involvement. You have to have parents being parents. You have to have legislation that targets violent offenders. And so that the people who know once we lock them up, that they're not just going to be getting back out. Well, she needs to go have a conversation with the Franklin County Juvenile Court judges who put these 10, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-olds back on the street when they steal cars, even while stealing the car with a gun. Now, I'm with her all the way except when she throws out the term gun violence because guns aren't violent, people are violent. And I know that's become kind of a bromide for people to say, but it's true. It is absolutely true. And she's right. I thought that was a pretty good observation on our responses now. It used to be you did settle disputes with your fists. Now these kids get guns, find guns, steal guns, are provided guns by gangs, and they want to be a tough guy. And there's a long conversation to be had about how we get here, and I don't know that you'd ever get sociologists to agree that the anger on our social media, the way that we can interact with each other relatively anonymously on social media via email, everybody's got email muscles, started with email muscles, then it went to social media muscles. Video games, are they to play a part in this? I think everything has a contributing role to it. But there's, and part of it, and she's not wrong, poverty in the inner city is a big part of it. Desperation, hopelessness, unquestionably the lunatic rhetoric coming from the defund the police movement, from the BLM movement, from Barack Obama, not de-escalating the conversation in the aftermath of Trayvon Martin, but escalating the conversation in the aftermath of Trayvon Martin and the George Floyd incident was the fuse that finally detonated the whole thing. And, of course, there are people in the midst of that argument, of that rhetoric, who see a way to get rich, make a lot of money. Ibram Kendi, Patrice Cullors, Black Lives Matter. And, meanwhile... Young black kids, what, three, four of them last week in Columbus under the age of 25, end up dead. End up dead. And until we start having honest accountability. Thought I was going to say conversations, didn't you? No, conversations don't help. We've talked it to death. Consequences are the only thing that will make a difference.